Well, hey everyone, welcome to episode 95 of F-Stop Collaborate and Listen. This week's guest is the young, talented, and multi-dimensional photographer, Andrew Studer. Andrew and I had an awesome conversation about his journey and very early start as a full-time professional, the process behind his viral 2017 solar eclipse image, his approach to working with corporate clients, and the state of authenticity and the commercialization of nature photography by influencers on Instagram. On Patreon this week, we talked all about his amazing adventures to the country of Bhutan. Be sure to check that one out. It was really fun. And uh, it's available to patrons supporting at the $5 a month level and higher. You too can join at www.patreon.com slash f-stop and listen. Well, before we get started, I wanted to take a moment and tell you about one of our Patreon supporters, Danny Lefrancois, the woman behind Banff Photo Workshops and Tours in the beautiful Canadian Rockies. You might remember Danny from way back in episode 23, where we talked about her passion for teaching and guiding. Danny runs private, one on one personalized workshops and photo tours where she will help you with everything from finding your vision, how composition can tell a visual story, or even understanding your camera. So whether you just got your first camera and want to learn how to use it, or you are an advanced photographer and want to experience the best of the mountains, Danny has you covered. Visit www.banffphotoworkshops.com to check out all the different options Danny has to offer, including half-day, full-day, and multi-day trips, as well as some night photography. Make the most of your time in the Canadian Rockies with a local expert. I also wanted to take a moment uh, to tell you about one of my favorite nature photography platforms, Nature Photographers Network, or NPN. If you're like me, you've grown tired of all of the empty comments and the rat race for likes on social media. You find yourself craving a bit more from your landscape photography experience. You want to share your work and have it truly appreciated for what it is. Maybe you want to get really in-depth and helpful critique on your images from some of the world's best photographers. NPN is where you need to go. Not only does NPN have an incredible community of like-minded photographers, it has one of the most useful, helpful, and genuinely awesome critique forums around. I've learned so much and have proved quite a bit by posting my images there and absorbing the feedback from other users on my images and other folks' images. Becoming an active member will improve your photography. I almost guarantee it. Check it out. Head over to naturephotographers.network. Well, special thanks to our Patreon supporters and podcast producers supporting the podcast at the $20 a month level and higher over on our Patreon page. These folks include Michael Howard, Jack Curran, Eric Stensland, Chris Rice, Jeff Peterson, Charlotte Gibb, Jason Matias, Anton Everine, Laurie Berenson, David Kingham, William Nurse, Ken Dono, and Danny LeFrancois. Thanks for helping with the show, and let's get to it. Enjoy.
All right, well, Andrew Studer, man, it is so cool to finally get you onto F-Stop Collaborate and Listen, man. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Uh, stoked to be on here. I think what you've made this podcast into is pretty special, so definitely honored to be on board. Cool. Yeah, it's so funny. When I um, came up with the idea for the podcast, I think I was in a gymnasium at my son's elementary school, uh, quote unquote, watching them play basketball. And then I immediately started writing down names of people who I thought would be cool to get on the podcast. And you were definitely one of the first people I thought of. So, And I think I reached out to you pretty early on and you were like, um, I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, I just, I guess I, I feel kind of weird sometimes about talking about my work. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't feel like I'm the, I do the best job of it sometimes because, you know, you've, you've had some really amazing people on here that are, you know, getting all eloquent and just, um, <laughs> talking about their artistic theory and inspiration and man, I can't really put that stuff into words. So I was like, maybe, maybe I'm not the best fit, but here we are. We're gonna make here it. we are. Well, I mean, every guest brings something a little bit different to the show. So don't feel any pressure to, uh, to perform for the audience or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I've been following your work. I feel like since probably almost from the start of your career, cause I think, um, you got started in uh, photography pretty seriously right about the same time that I moved to Portland, Oregon. Um, and I think I remember seeing a video, a time-lapse video that you posted from like your parents' balcony or something. I can't remember the exact like scene or whatever, but I remember thinking like, oh, this, this kid's going to be something special. And you were like, 16 or 17 years old at the time and I was like damn <laughs> <laughs> oh man um yeah I think you you might be thinking of a, a time-lapse video that I I shot from a Piddock mansion in Portland so definitely not my parents house um <laughs> <laughs> well there might have been another one because I remember that one too oh <laughs> uh, yeah yeah uh my, my my family they live in Salem and um they don't have a balcony <laughs> That, that would be cool though if my if my parents lived in um like <laughs> in Piddock in Mansion. Piddock Mansion and had this <laughs> epic view of the city. Oh man, I would be there all the time. But um yeah, it's just a public view and it's it overlooks the city and it looks really nice when it's got low fog. So Yeah, I love that place. I think when I lived there, I wanna say I probably went up there to take pictures probably six or seven times, which I don't know. I feel like it's a lot, but I know some people who go up there like 20 or 30 times a year just to try to get the light, the, the right conditions. And I remember you got that one. I think a few people were up there that day where like the fog just settled and it was just crazy good. Yeah. Yeah. That was such a beautiful night and morning. I think that was back in 2014. Sounds right. Yeah. yeah. Cause I think I lived there 2014, 2015. So, okay. Yeah. That's funny. Well, and then, gosh, one of the things I really wanted to talk to you about, um, and it might be boring to you, but I've always been fascinated by it, is like kind of how you got your your start in all of this. Because if I'm not mistaken, then you can you know correct me, but and kind of tell it from your it's your story. So, but I think <laughs> you were in college at the time, and then you just made the leap into photography. So. 
I'd love to really just hear like how that journey kind of went from you being a young kid to like where you're at now. Yeah. So um, I think I was probably like 14 or so when I started kind of getting into photography. Um, You know, I did a lot of stuff on like my iPod touch or um, like the family photo camera. (laughs) And, you know, I'd edit my photos in Microsoft Word dead serious on that. (laughs) But um, (laughs) I, uh, you know, got more and more into photography. And I think in 2013, I saw people start posting photos of the stars and um, Ben Canales, his work really stood out to me. And I was like, oh man, this is so cool. I want to take photos like Ben Canales. Yeah. So I went out and, you know, tried that and stuff. And dude, Ben, uh, Ben taught me how to use Lightroom on, he had like this workshop thing that I, that I got. It was so helpful. Um, but yeah, I just went uh, a couple years, you know, getting into outdoor photography and shooting some time-lapse and went to college and, um, I had two years of me taking video classes or classes about cinema and media communication and, I learned a lot, but I started to realize that a lot of the things that I wanted to do career-wise, I didn't necessarily need school for. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so um, I had an internship too at the time. Uh, I learned a lot from them uh, just about commercial shoots and, you know, working with clients and a lot of that stuff that I didn't necessarily get in school. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I had friends who were, you know, full-time photographers, just, you know, online friends. And um, I saw it as a possibility. And, um, you know, my, my sophomore year, my second year um, in school, I started to get some, you know, small projects that would come up. And um, I realized that I was spending so much time in school Uh, learning how to get jobs. And I had to decline some of these jobs just because I had school. So it kind of got to that point and I realized that I should not be in school. (laughs) So what was the, uh, what was kind of like the, the turning point for you where you were like, okay, I think, I think I can do this full time and actually make a full time living and pursue everything that I want to pursue. Um, I don't think that there was any specific moment, um, but I think I really made the leap and just decided that I didn't want to go back to school when I realized how bad I do at my finals. I was just like, oh man, <laughs> I, I can't, I can't make this work. Shoot. I mean, like I, I was a good student, you know, I was, I was, I was pretty decent, but um, when I got to college, I, I spent so much time skipping classes and just going out late at night, driving out to Mount Hood and time-lapsing the stars and, um, you know, getting back at like 6 a.m. right before class and, you know, stuff like that, that um, it, it set me back a little bit in college. And, um, <laughs> uh, man. That's funny because that, uh, that sounds pretty similar to what Michael Shanebloom, I think he had a very similar kind of awakening where he was like, what am I doing? <laughs> I think I should do this full time, you know? 
<laughs> yeah, well, I'm I'm super fortunate to be doing it full time. I mean, not going back to school for me personally, I think was a really good decision, and it gave me so many opportunities to create different things and be involved in some really fun projects and stuff. So, um, I'm glad I didn't go back. Yeah, no doubt. Um, so yeah, I feel like you're one of the few people that I talk to or have seen like post, I don't want to say like, or have made me aware of some of the projects you've been on, but for whatever reason, like I, I feel like you kind of post like, here's, here's some of the stuff I'm doing behind the scenes on this particular corporate shoot that I'm working on for this particular brand. So like, I guess one of the things I wanted to ask you about was, um, what is that, what is that like, uh, working with, um, corporate clients and, you know, uh, I'm sure they give you kind of like, here's kind of what our vision is and maybe talk to us about like, what that process looks like from start to finish from the artist's perspective? Well, um, it varies quite a bit just as far as the projects go. Um, sometimes I have a lot of creative control as far as what I'm able to shoot and how I shoot mm -hmm. it. And sometimes it's very specific mm. and, you know, there's specific shot lists and guidelines on how I'm supposed to photograph a product. Um, and so, you know, there's two different approaches to it. But um, bottom line is it's super fun. Um, a lot of the jobs that I do um, are photographing products in nature. Mm. And so uh, I really just enjoy kind of having my landscape photography eye and applying that to a commercial uh, photography project. And you're doing both stills and video, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I've gotten more into photography, I think, um, than I have in the past as far as work projects go. Um, but I do some video as well, uh, time lapse, and uh, I, I use a gimbal, and you know, I'm a DP on some commercial shoots occasionally, but uh, mostly photography. Mostly photography for me uh -huh. now. And uh, I guess. I'm sure one of the things that a lot of people are curious about is like how, like how do those uh, jobs come about? Like, um, I mean, for example, I know like I'm with Getty images and they always send out like briefs that like, Hey, go do this shoot for this client. But that's usually more of like a shotgun approach. Like they want people to submit images that the client may or may not use for their campaign. Whereas this is like that mm. particular organization is actually hiring you directly, I assume, uh, to do mm -hmm. or through an oh, agency. Through an agency. Off the top. Yeah, yeah. So how does that work? Um, yeah, so I think I've gotten a lot of the projects um, just through posting my work and having this outdoor style that I guess um, a lot of clients might be interested in. Um, that and word of mouth sometimes, uh, just one agency might have a client uh, that they use. And if they have another project that comes about, um, you know, somebody in that same agency might mm -hmm. recommend me. Uh, yeah. And so like, how do you, I know this is probably not the most exciting topic for you, but like, I think a lot of people would be curious, <laughs> like, how do you find an agency that is a, both aligned with um, 
you as an artist and the corporate clients that you would work for? Dude, I, I wish I could tell you if you find out, please <laughs> let me know. Um, I'd love to, to get like full time on an agency um, to have have representation. But um, right now it's just agencies, you know, creative agencies, I guess, seeing my work on Instagram or my, my website. And, oh, OK, uh, so so you're not I mean, are you doing any anything other than posting your work to attract those eyeballs? Um, no, no, I'm not, but I know that putting together like a media kit and stuff would be, would be good. I have one, um, but I'd like to, to get into reaching out and stuff. Um, I should be better at that. <laughs> That's awesome, man. I mean, I don't, I think most people that are able to, you know, get full-time work, like a lot of people, they're just grinding constantly, like, you know, reaching out to people, constantly communicating, you know, leveraging relationships and things like that. But it's really cool to hear that um, a lot of it's just people seeing your stuff and saying, hey, uh, we want you to work for us. Yeah, yeah. Um, I definitely enjoy that. Um, I've had a lot of friends too that, you know, recommend me for jobs and stuff like that. Or, um, you know, it, it, it's not always just people, you know, always reaching out directly. Sometimes like mm -hmm. a friend recommends mm -hmm. me, you know, so. That's cool. Yeah. Well, so you recently um, traveled to the country of uh, Bhutan, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was amazing. So tell us, tell us about that. What, like, what was it about that particular country that um, wanted you to go there? Like, what, what took you there? Yeah, so uh, it was my second trip there. Um, I'm working for the, uh, the the Ministry of Tourism there. Uh, the the, the travel group my bhutan and um there's this village that's um pretty remote and it's called Maroc, and it's one of the last places in bhutan that's very closed off and just has this ancient feel to it and two years ago i think i think about two years ago um they built a road that goes all the way up in the mountains to this village and connects it to um, the nearest town, which I think was about five or six hours away. Um, wow. But so it's just this beautifully just, just closed off village home of the, the Brokpa tribe. And they're just, um, so, so I went to kind of capture this village and um, show how special it was um, before the road kind of leads to um, a slight la loss of culture and uh, stuff like that. So, Yeah, so well, before you went, like, did you have any kind of preconceived notions about what the experience would be like um, that were later, I guess, shattered or changed your perspe perspective or anything like that? Um, well, so it was actually my second time going to the village. Um, yeah. I had gone um, a year before, but this time around we spent, I think, 10 days in the village, um, whereas last time I was only there for, for a day. But um, 10 I, days I, is a long time. <laughs> it, it was, dude, and it, it was cold too. Um, I was kind of nervous at first, you know, I was – um, I was like, oh man, like just disconnected, sleeping on the ground. It's going to be so cold. But um, 
you know, I, I was trying to, you know, take on projects that put me out of my comfort zone. And I'm so glad that I did it because it was the most incredible experience of my life. So, so what made it, what made it an incredible experience? I think just, just getting out of my comfort zone more, um, definitely added to it. Um, I was just immersed in the, the people's lives. Uh, it was, it was incredible. I mean, there were these people that, you know, I was talking to, um, them through a translator and I think they were saying something about how they thought I was from India because that's as foreign as they could wrap their minds around. And oh, wow. I mean, that was just, I got chills when I heard that. I think it's, it was, it was pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, I, I was shooting a lot of portraits there, which is different than what I typically do. But uh -huh. um, I've recently been, been really enjoying portraiture and, um, yeah, it was a fun project. Yeah, so I'm curious, like having uh, immersed your, immersing yourself into that culture for ten days. Um, did you find that that process of immersion um, informed the types of photos um, or the style of photos that you were that you were capturing? Well, I think spending time with the people was pretty key as far as photographing them mm -hmm. you know at first they might be kind of shy and so uh getting to know them and you know talking to them and you know helping them out with their their you know chores around the village um i think that kind of um warmed them up and uh made photographing them just a easy and just fun experience for for everyone mm-hmm um, so did you also do, um, some landscape type stuff while you were there? Not a whole lot. Um, so when I went to Bhutan last year for the first time, um, I kind of went into it with the expectation of, uh, photographing the temples and the mountains mm -hmm. and, you know, just focusing on the landscapes out there. And dude, um, first day I got there, I, I saw all these just people walking around and just so many amazing things going on in the, um, like these, these small towns and villages that, um, was completely different than anything I'd ever seen or photographed. And I just started shooting people and, you know, I got obsessed over that. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was so fun. Um, so all of the, the landscapes and, um, stuff like that, that I've focused on shooting for, as long as I, uh, excuse me, as long as I've been into photography, you know, that went right out the door and I was just photographing people and excited about that. Yeah. Uh, what, what was it about, uh, the people and the culture that got you so excited? Um, cause it, I'm assuming a lot of it has to do with like, uh, you know, they're not dressed the same as we are. They're like, they don't have, I'm assuming technologically speaking, they're probably a lot different than we are. So like talk to us about what it was it about, um, about that subject that got you so excited. Well, yeah, a lot of the people, um, in these villages obviously dress differently. So that's obviously pretty cool. 
Um, they they were yak vests, so these these vests just made of yak skin. So, dude, it, it feels like you're, you know, in medieval times or something, <laughs> uh, which is pretty crazy. And they didn't get TV there until 1999, and um, a lot of places still don't have electricity. But um, they're also, you know, supposedly. Um, I mean, I I definitely feel this way, but um, a lot of people. Uh, rank Bhutan as the happiest country in the world. Oh yeah, I think and... I remember saying that, like the happiness index or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, all the people there, you know, they really are so happy and warm and kind, and um, that makes photographing them uh, all the more easier. So, um... <laughs> I would think so. I mean, if they were like super angry and like giving you the stink eye, you'd probably be like, okay, maybe I should take pictures of something else now. <laughs> Dude, absolutely. I mean, if I was in America doing that, like photographing people the way I do in Bhutan, oh man, I'd feel so uncomfortable because I feel like people don't like to be photographed, you know, strangers especially. And so, you know, for the longest time, I've I've just been avoiding that just because I don't want to make other people feel uncomfortable right. because I if I'm, you know, if, if I have a camera on people that don't want to be photographed, you know, I don't, I don't want to get into that situation. So, um, photographing people in Bhutan was completely different than than anything I'd really been interested in doing before. But um, I'm super passionate about it now. Yeah. Did uh, Did you find that they were um, more receptive to having their photo taken, or did you have to kind of have people warm up to you, or? Was that kind of a process or how did that all work? Well, um, so in Bhutan in, in, in general, um, they're pretty warm and, you know, welcoming to having their photo taken, which is really easy. Um, in Maroc, the village that I was at, um, you know, it's more disconnected. And so they're a little bit more timid and shy and um, a little bit more closed off than the rest of the Bhutanese. Um, but, you know, I spent some time really just hanging out with them and, um, getting to know them. So that, that really helped. Um, (laughs) it was pretty funny, man. Um, so our first night there, uh, some of the older, the, the elderly, uh, Brokpa people came over and they were giving, uh, giving me and the team Ara, which is this it's basically like sake and um we, we drank a lot we drank a lot of it and um had some some pretty pretty good conversations and just a lot of laughs um it was great great time so i think that was pretty key in uh how the rest of the trip went as far as them being you know open to me you know coming inside their home and you know they they'd invite me or you know, wanting to be a part of the photographs. I think that was, that was pretty key. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, alcohol is a yeah. universal uh, lubricant for social lubricant. <laughs> you, you, you could say that. Yeah. Um, I think, I think it was, it was pretty key and dude, it was so fun. Like <laughs> um, this, this old lady who had drank way too much. Um, she, she like, put her head against mine and she like grabbed my beanie and took it off and then put her hat on my head and gave it to me. And they've got these crazy hats um, 
that are they're basically like I don't want to come across as mean by saying this, but they they look like spiders. Oh wow! And they're made of yak wool. Um, so they're all the Brockba tribe. Um, they're all yak herders, and so a lot of the things that they have are made from yak. And so it's this, this black hair and these like spider legs that kind of trail off. Um, and so I think the idea is there that when it rains, the rain will like hit the hat and then just kind of go off and not rush into their face, oh, yeah. but like run down um, these tentacles <laughs> um, and and get away from their face. So uh, a lot of them wear these hats and she gave me her hat and um, through translation, it sounded like, you know, she had had that hat since like nine, uh, since the 1960s, Holy which sucks. was super cool. But also, also, you know, it's uh, I don't think it's ever been washed. <laughs> <laughs> So I lost my beanie on that trip, um, the first day of being there, but it worked out. That's, I got a, a Brockpa hat, so I was pretty happy about that. That's really cool. Um, yeah. Well, gosh, I'm curious about um, like, okay, so the Ministry of Tourism, I think is what you said. Uh, yeah, My Bhutan, it's like this 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 travel agency there and um, they work with the government. And they're trying to attract visitors to the country? Yeah, but they're trying to do it in a responsible okay. way through ecotourism. And so I was there with the the My Bhutan team and, you know, I'm shooting portraits and uh, stuff like that. And then there was a writer there as well. Uh, her name is Bethany. And she was there to, um, you know, do a lot of writing, but then also set up these um, homestays and get to know the people there and um, try to figure out ways that um, visitors can come and... Uh, you know, in, immerse themselves in the culture, but then also be supporting the uh, village economy. Mm -hmm. So, uh, gosh, I have so many questions about that. So how, uh, when they hired you, like, did you know that it was primarily going to be like portraiture or um, like, was it a little bit more open-ended in terms of what they wanted you to capture or kind of what were the parameters of the, of the assignment? Well, it was a little bit open-ended just as far as um, what I could capture. Um, you know, they wanted some portraits, um, but they just, they really wanted to capture just how special this place is. And I, you know, I did my very best to do that, um, but I did shoot a lot of portraits and I think that's primarily what I walked mm -hmm. away with. No, I, I mean, I think that's really cool. Uh, so like, is this another situation where like, they reached out to you and said, Hey, uh, we want to hire you to come do this project. Um, yeah. So I, I worked with them just a little bit last year. Um, when I first went to Bhutan, uh, I had a buddy who, um, was working with them and he reached out to me to join him on the trip and, uh, I shot a little bit of content there and, kind of started a relationship just with the uh um tourism mm -hmm. out there through that so. that's cool and uh so like not to get into like all the finer details but like so they're paying for your travel like like was it did you feel did you feel like it was a project i mean other than the awesome opportunity to go to that country like did you feel like it was um like you were compensated fairly for for the project I think overall, yeah, it was it was pretty cool. fair. 
Um, you know, it was such a great experience. Yeah. Um, it was really thankful. I feel like a lot of people would just do that for free, which is a whole other topic of like <laughs> what's interesting about our photography right now, like stuff like that. You know, obviously if you're doing an, an amazing job, you should be compensated for the work you're doing. But there's so, many, there's so much talent out there now, I feel like, that would do projects like that for, like, exposure or, like, uh, you know, just pay for my plane ticket or pay for a hotel room and I'll take some pictures for you. <laughs> do, you, do, you do you find yourself um, <laughs> kind of struggling against that kind of shift in how the industry is going or do you not really think about that? I mean, a little bit. Um, I, I think sometimes it, it it can it can be frustrating, uh, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of you know, yeah. Do my so thing. it sounds like it doesn't really have a much of an impact on you. It definitely can, though. Um, I think that projects, you know. Okay, I I say this. Um, I don't know. I've I just got into doing it full time in mm -hmm. 2015. So I know that there's a lot of people out there who have been doing this a lot longer than me who have seen drastic changes that is that have, you know, directly impacted them in their careers. And so I don't feel like I can right. really speak to that um, quite as much as others. But, you know, I, I have noticed a little bit of a change and um, devaluing that has been going yeah, on. Yeah, I sure. think it's... I don't know. I've noticed it for sure in all different aspects, but um, I don't do it full time. But I hear a lot of stories, obviously, with on the podcast, and also just being friends with lots of photographers. You know, you hear stories about, um, or or like I don't know. This happens to me quite a bit. Like people will approach you and say, "Hey, like, can we use your photo in exchange for X Y Z?" Like, there's a lot of bartering. I feel like that happens. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Which yeah. I'm kind of on the fence on. Like, do I want to? I mean, it's it's like a hard thing. Like, well, I, I kind of think that's cool, but on the other hand, why don't you just pay me and for the same way people pay you for your service, why don't you pay me for mine? You know, it's weird how mm -hmm. photography mm -hmm. yeah. has that kind of sub economy. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> all right, man. Well. Let's talk a little bit about, um, and I'm sure you're probably tired of talking about it, but I've got you on the podcast, so I can't help myself. So <laughs> you had a pretty epic um, solar eclipse uh, outing last year that, well, I guess it'd be like a year and a half ago now, right? Um, mm -hmm. And if people aren't aware of that shot, we can post it in the liner notes or whatever, but... Um, Anyway, you got this pretty awesome shot of a of a rock climber. I think they were rappelling in Smith Rock, and you guys positioned it so mm -hmm. that the climber was like silhouetted with the um, the solar eclipse at full like full on eclipse mode. <laughs> totality, yeah, yes. totality. Uh, I said that word to myself like 40 times last night during the lunar eclipse, but I couldn't come up with it today. That's funny. Oh yeah. How was that? I didn't, I didn't see it. Uh, yeah, it was, you know, it was a lunar eclipse, whatever. I don't know. Yeah. I've shot a few of them. So like, I'm not 
super excited about them. But anyway, yeah. that's a whole other topic. I wanted to go outside and check it out, but it was so cloudy out, and I had the office going on, so I was just like, ah, I didn't <laughs> see it. <laughs> but anyway, like, I think a lot of people really want to know, like, what was the planning process involved in um, the creation of that image? Because I think nowadays we're so we're so bombarded with great imagery um, and half of the time it's actual like things that actually did happen. And half of the time it's something creative that someone uh, did in Photoshop and it looks really cool. Um, but mm-hmm. I know for sure, like that was a legit, like you planned it out, shot it, aligned everything perfectly, blah, blah, blah. So like what into what went into executing such a fantastic photograph? Yeah, so I wanted to include a photo of a person um, within the solar eclipse. And um, I was supposed to be shooting it at Smith Rock, which is a mecca for rock climbers. And um, so basically, I was working with Columbia Sportswear. And then um, I think he was a Goal Zero ambassador. His name is Ted Hesser. Yeah. Uh, super cool guy, super talented climber. Um, he knew a lot about climbing stuff that I myself do not know. <laughs> and so, um, <clears throat> you know, we, uh, we realized that we needed to have somebody um, high up because totality was going to be happening in the early afternoon. Right. The sun is super high up in the sky. And so um, we had somebody go up the day before on uh, Monkey Face, which is this you know famous rock um, in the Smith Rock State Park area. And um, I was using uh, photo pills to figure out um, kind of where I wanted to be. And I hired Ted to go out the day before um, I was shooting something with Columbia um, and just kind of get a feel for like the area that we would need to be um, so that when we got, you know, so when we found that spot with photo pills, we could um, narrow it down and, you know, specifically find out where we wanted to be. So photo pills was pretty helpful. For sure. um, In that uh, and as well as Ted going out the day before to figure out kind of the area with like where the sun would be. Um, but when it came time to figure out exactly where to stand, photo pills is uh, what we relied on. Yeah. Did you find, <laughs> uh, did you find yourself like during the actual event, like were you constantly adjusting your tripod and camera to like get the angle right on? <laughs> Dude, no, no. I Really? I, wow. I was, I, I, I didn't have to move. Um, I did a couple variations just as far as focal lengths uh-huh, went, uh-huh. and then I did a vertical shot. But I was using a, a gimbal head, um, like a you know one of those like enduro gimbal heads that are good for telephoto lenses. Um, so it made it easy just to kind of um, adjust and um, go vertical pretty. Yeah, quickly. that's cool. I remember um, you. Know- <sighs> it might've been pretty early on when you were a photographer, but there was a, um, and it won't happen again in our lifetime. There was a, uh, transit of Venus across the sun. I think it was in 2011. Um, and I got this idea to, um, photograph it, uh, photograph the sun 
through these two rock formations called it's called Kissing Camels. It's in the Garden of the Gods in Colorado Springs. Um, and it's a pretty mm-hmm. small hole in the rock. And so I wanted to mm-hmm. get the sun in the hole of the rock um, and then obviously get the Venus transit transiting across the sun. And this was before photopills, obviously, um, which I love. I love, I think photopills is amazing. I use it all the time, but, um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I remember I I didn't have time to like go there like the day before to like figure out, you know, exactly where I needed to stand. (laughs) So like, Mm -hmm. like during the actual event, I was just like looking for the whole, like, like the shadow of the rock and the, where the sun was like on the ground (laughs) to try to figure (laughs) out where to put my tripod, you know, like, and I just kept moving mm-hmm. as the sun moved across. The- <laughs> it was pretty funny. <laughs> Man, yeah, I just pulled up the shot here. It's it's pretty neat. I I hadn't seen it. Before. Yeah, it was um, I like it was a cool it. that was a cool event. Um, but yeah, I, so I totally appreciate. Uh, you know, I, th- I mean, obviously your shot is insane, <laughs> but uh, having done similar types of photos, like I can understand like how really how hard it is, um, which is like which is why I always get all bent out of shape about composites and blah, 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 but that's a whole other. <laughs> hey, that's, that's, that's fair. Um, if you put the time and effort into making a photo actually happen without um, Photoshop, I think, um, I think there's a lot of hard work that goes into it. So uh, I definitely feel you on uh, your frustrations towards Photoshopping. <laughs> Well, and to be to be to be fair, I mean, I've done a fair amount of photoshopping in my time, so it's I understand the appeal of that. But uh, man, what an amazing image and uh, event and like place and time that you guys were able to capture! Like, I think that's really fantastic. I'm assuming uh, after that, like, you guys got quite a bit of um, quite a bit of press after that. There was a decent amount, yeah. A lot of people enjoyed the photos. I was pretty happy. Yeah, did about you that. um were you were you able to realize uh any new projects just based off of that one project? Um I had a couple photo licenses and um sold a decent amount of prints, but I don't think I got any like jobs directly from that. Um at least that that I know of. Um but yeah, it was it was cool to see the photos take off. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I I think, I think me personally, I I, I mean, I could be over speaking, but I I think it was probably the best lunar eclipse or sorry solar eclipse shot of that particular event that I ever saw. <laughs> oh shoot! Thanks, man. Yeah, no no worries. Well deserved. That was awesome. <laughs> Appreciate it. Yeah, I didn't I didn't Photoshop it at all. Um, it's funny though. A lot of people do think it's photoshopped. Um, because there's like there's these bugs that are really far off like in the distance and but they they show up and they are backlit so they kind of look like stars oh weird you know a lot of people are like why are there stars in front of the sun this is photoshop and um i was like oh man i would have photoshopped those bugs out but i didn't want to photoshop at all so that i could you know say it's not photoshopped and so it just kind of backfired i feel like if i did photoshop it out then people wouldn't be um you know shitting on me for for photoshopping right oh that's terrible i hate that 
<laughs> yeah, I remember um, for that particular event, I was actually on the top of a top of a high thirteener in Southwest Colorado. I, was, I didn't really have a sh- particular shot in mind. I thought it'd be cool to like be on top of a huge mountain and get the solar eclipse. But then my luck had it that like a whole bunch of clouds moved in, so I got to see nothing. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So that sucked. That's that's, um, that's a bummer. Well, I think it's it's happening again in like 2021 or 20 in Patagonia. So, hey, there you go. Um, <laughs> yeah, and and dude, like I went into it um, a couple months uh, when I when I was hired to shoot the eclipse. Like I was just like, oh, okay. Like I thought it was going to be like a lunar eclipse. You know, they're cool, but they're not like that special. And so it wasn't until like. I don't know, maybe a month before it happened where I was like, oh, wait, this is actually going to be really neat. And dude, it, it was like, I still get chills thinking about just how incredible it was to see the totality. And it was, it was well, not else. only that, but like, I mean, you must have been, I mean, I don't know if you get this way, but like, you must have been pretty stoked, like, to actually execute the vision that you had planned. Yeah, man, it was, it was so surreal. Like I got all just numb and like, just, man, it's just so many goosebumps. Um, when I saw totality happen and saw the (laughs) climber exactly where I wanted him to be. I mean, I kind of went into it just not expecting that it was actually going to work out, but when it did, oh man, I shed a tear. Yeah, I'd probably Maybe be two. like, yeah, woohoo. <laughs> I'd yeah, be going yeah. crazy. I mean, I get that I, way that, that's over like way smaller things. So I, I can't even imagine. I'd probably be just losing my shit left and right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were shooting a, some behind the scenes um, during it. And I just remember uh, just, just taking off my hat and just like stepping <laughs> away, like after it happened, just like, Oh man, I was just in this crazy trance. It was, man, still get good. Yeah, like when you take a shot like that, like how quickly did you, like, did you realize uh, at that time, like how, how amazing of a thing you just accomplished? Like, like, did you immediately think to yourself, like, I got to get this out there? You know what I mean? Not Uh necessarily. I mean, I did edit it. after like, I don't know, probably two or three hours after the eclipse, you know, we hiked back and, you know, I was, I was pretty stoked on the photo. Like I didn't know that, um, it would, you know, do well online. Um, like it, it did, but, um, you know, I was just really proud that, um, kind of what I had envisioned, um, actually worked out. So what? So I was stoked on that. For sure. So like what, what motivates you then as an, as an artist? Like, cause I mean, obviously that's a pretty fantastic moment that fills your, like fills your brain with endorphins and like afterwards you feel a lot of pride and joy, but like when you're out slogging in the rain and the fog and you know, it's cold and like, what, what is it that keeps you going as a, as an artist? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of bad at just talking about my, artistic inspiration and stuff um (laughs) (laughs) there's no eloquent way for me to put this um but i don't know 
I take photos of things that I think are cool. And to elaborate on that, um, I think that there's just so many amazing natural pheno- phenomenons and, you know, just beautiful wildlife and just incredible, like dynamic landscapes um, out there in the world that I just like to capture. And I just want people to appreciate kind of the, the natural world um, when they see my photos. And so I'm definitely inspired and motivated just by uh, wanting to capture these places and um, things and uh, have people have an appreciation for the world, I guess. Yeah. Well, you're, <clears throat> you're in an interesting cross-section of photography that I've always, um, I guess, viewed with a lot of um, curiosity, I guess is probably the best word, where you're able to leverage your um, kind of, I guess, your passion for the natural world and the landscape um, and combine it with paid, you know, corporate and client shoots and things like that, um, which... Um, I'm, I'm going somewhere with this, trust me, (laughs) but I guess what I'm trying to say is like what we see nowadays, a lot of times, like on Instagram and things like that is a lot of people are, um, putting work out there that in my mind doesn't feel like an authentic appreciation of nature first. It's more about like, how can I show corporate entities uh, that I can take quote unquote lifestyle photos to get me paid jobs? So like from somebody, I would love to hear from somebody who's actually in that world. Like how do you see kind of that cross section and how do you feel like Instagram and other platforms are like having an impact on that cross-section um so are you just talking about like a lack of creativity Um, i mean part of it is the lack of creativity but part of it is like like okay so obviously i know you've probably well i know you because i've seen you comment it you comment on the um the insta repeat account (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) which i've always wondered like i wonder if andrew is insta repeat but no, <laughs> anyway, no, 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 no. Uh, Insta repeats interesting. Um, as Super far as interesting. Meme, yeah, as far as meme pages go, I don't think it's that funny. But for a while, it was pretty interesting and um, had a kind of funny um, jab at a lot of the repetitiveness and lack of creativity that a lot of Instagram photographers have. So you know, I, I enjoyed that, and it's fun to go on there and, and comment all in good fun. You know, just just say something kind of funny and sure yeah well and i guess that's um sometimes you'll see it show up on that particular hub um where it's not necessarily about a lack of creativity as much as it is um god what's the word i'm looking for it's it's people that are putting products and or situations or people in places or taking photos of things that never like we know we know that there's never well i could Mm. be wrong but like i don't ever see like someone with a fedora and an aztec blanket um at twelve thousand five hundred feet in colorado like enjoying the sunset by their tent like that stuff doesn't really happen you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. so it's like this like photographers are 
they're putting out these images um, of these, I guess I could, I, w- I just want to call it like fake moments. I don't know if that's the right terminology, but that's the best way for me to put it. Mm-hmm. No, I can definitely see see what you're what you're trying to say there. Um, I think it's an interesting situation, though. Um, I think there are people out there who do truly enjoy um, nature and you know have these authentic moments and experiences in nature. But, dude, you're right. When it comes to Instagram and uh, when you see it on a lot of these photos like it's bullshit, you know, like you'll be scrolling through Instagram and you you can tell who's shooting, you know, for themselves and who's shooting just to check off a list. Who's, who's shooting to, you know, really just take a photo that so many other people have just so that they can feel um, like an Instagrammer or something like that. And I think there is just a, a huge lack of creativity there. Um, and it's, it's frustrating to see. It's sad. I mean, there's, there's people that I used to look up to um, that, you know, you, you can tell that they're just trying to shoot for um, likes and stuff like that, just going off of trends. And, you know, I'll shoot people like tiny people in nature. You know, I'm not trying to say I'm, I'm, I'm better than that, but um, it's just it's frustrating to see um, people just shooting for trends. Mm. Um, but sorry, I, I guess I kind of went on a rant there, didn't I? No, um, I, I like were, it. I want more. <laughs> were you were you more curious just when it comes to um, like the commercial side of things? Well, I guess one one very personal question is like, do you ever find yourself caught caught up in that as somebody as somebody who is doing this for paid work? Like, like obviously, I mean, you're you're getting paid by. Uh, clients to take took photos for them in amazing places and um like i'm i'm sure that on occasion there's going to be photo shoots where you're like um that i don't this is weird you know what i mean like like so how do you reconcile like those two things i guess is Mm -hmm. kind of my question well you know sometimes you just have to accept that it's it's the job. So for example, um, I was shooting for a boot company up in Canada a couple months ago. And one of the spots we were at was Lake Louise. Now, mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of the landscape photographers out there listening to this are like, oh boy, Lake Louise, like <laughs> overshot. I mean, it's a beautiful spot, but you, you, you park at the parking lot, you walk five minutes and- uh-huh. You don't need hiking boots, right? <laughs> you you don't you don't, and I mean it, it had like a nice um, mountain backdrop with you know the water and the rocks. There were great for close ups, and that's what I was shooting there. But sure, um, I felt ridiculous. I was laying down on the ground next to a thousand tourists taking <laughs> selfies with iPads, and I was on the ground just shooting close ups of boots. <laughs> I felt so pathetic, Matt. I felt See, that's so what pathetic. I'm talking about. That that's that's what I'm talking about. Like, I mean, I guess it'd be less pathetic. Or no, I'm sorry. It'd be you would probably feel more pathetic if you were like, if you had a model who was dressed all up in their gear at Lake Louise, like, and then your caption was like, "We just hiked 20 miles in these amazing boots mm-hmm. for this incredible mm-hmm. scene." Uh, but that's like that's kind of the essence of what probably is behind the way you felt, I feel like. Yeah, and you see that a lot on Instagram, just 
people trying to make these beautiful, authentic moments where it's like, dude, I was there with you. Like I saw you roll up, hop out of your car and spend 10 minutes shooting this blanket scene. And then you drove off like, really? Come on. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and I don't know, not to, not to totally shit on a lot of those people, um, you know, cause you know, they might have like a, um, a schedule of like, you know, they have to do a lot of places and, you know, shoot at a lot of locations, um, for a client, you know, that's, that's fair. Um, you know, a lot of the people you see posting those types of photos are making pretty good money. I mean, some are making more than doctors to travel the world and, you know, shoot those photos. So you can't really blame them, you know, but it's funny to, to look at and just be like, ah, all right, that's, uh, here we go again, you know? Yeah, I don't know. There's something about this idea of, um, of, I guess, intentionally um, profiting off of um, almost like in an, ex- in, a, in an exploitive fashion, like profiting off of the natural world to uh, promote the financial interests of corporations that just feels bad to me but i'm also not depending on this to feed my family so like i could understand how you would be able to maybe put aside those differences in order to make ends meet uh i guess i me personally like could not do that you know like i is i'm sure a lot of people have had this happen to them but i actually have um i had i think it was lens ball I'm sure everyone has had lens ball contact them, but it's, they sell these little ball, ball glass balls and they want you to like post photos of the glass ball on Instagram. And like, they'll give you a free ball. If you, you know, if you take photos of their product in nature and they wanted me, they're like, Hey, we'll give you a free lens ball. If you take pictures of the product and post it on Instagram. And I was like, I'm good. Like, it's not really kind of where I'm going with my photography. It's not really what I want to be known for. I don't want to be like, that's just not me. And if that is you, that's cool, but that's not me, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, that that's fair. Um, I think I, I have seen those photos come up every so often on Instagram, <laughs> but I mean, no hate to the people who, who post those photos, you know, if that's your thing, if that, if you enjoy that stuff, like that's awesome. That's cool. Yeah. I've, no, I feel the same way. I guess, I don't know. It's just, I guess the kind of underlying question I ask, I would like to ask those kind of, those people that are doing that is like, like what, why, why, why are you doing this? Like, why is, what is it about this that like, is that really why you want to be taking pictures in nature? Like to, I don't know, like, I think if we all stopped and asked questions like that, it, you might, it might make us more creative. It might, it might make us, I don't know, question various motivations. I I don't know. Like, I mean, you, you, you yourself experienced what I'm talking about. Like, I feel so ridiculous taking pictures of boots at Lake Louise. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but you did it, and but you had because you were getting paid to do it, right? Yeah, and I mean, I think that there's a difference between you know a commercial shoot and then something that you have to post directly on your feed. Um, and I was in an interesting Agreed. situation. Um, you know, I I didn't have a problem with this, but I know that others took it kind of the wrong way. 
Um, I was up in the Canadian Rockies, just such a beautiful area with, with all of these mountains. And um, yeah. I was on a, a campaign there for Dell and it was just a, a social media thing. Um, and, you know, some of the requirements uh, for the campaign were just to post a photo of, a, of the product, um, product being one of their laptops to my feed. And um, so I, you know, took a photo of myself going on the laptop because, you know, it's what I used to edit my photos and took a photo mm -hmm. of myself um, sitting on a rock at Moraine Lake, um, just this beautiful mountain background. And I posted that and I wasn't, you know, it wasn't like a literal representation of me editing or like what I usually do and stuff. But, you know, I wanted to... Mm -hmm tie the product into my feed and um, do so in an interesting way. But, oh man, a couple people out there did not uh, take it that way. They thought they were they're like, oh yeah, like, you, is that really what you do? Like, as if I was trying to pretend that and I don't know, did not, yeah. mind, but you know. Well, and I, I'm sure that's not what your intention was, like you were saying, mm -hmm. but I think that, um, I mean, I would probably, I think, my personal first reaction would be kind of similar. Like, come on, dude, we know people don't edit photos sitting on a rock, <laughs> you know, like, well, maybe you do. I don't know. Most people don't, but it, it's kind of in, it's kind of indicative of what I'm talking about though. Like this, this trend of people like, I don't know, like just, I don't know if, if, if authenticity is the word I'm looking for or, cause I think there's a huge difference between, authenticity and creativity you know like you can you can take a very creative photograph um and it not be authentic and vice versa like you could take a very authentic photograph and it not be very creative mm -hmm. and i guess what i'm striving to see more of is photos that are both you know mm -hmm. i think <laughs> like your eclipse photo that that's a very good example like it's creative and it's authentic. Mm -hmm. I'd like to to reach a point where I confidently, you know, confidently feel like I'm touching on both with my yeah. work, and you know, I've got a lot of room for growth. I know, um, but I also want to take photos that mean something and do something for good. Because scroll through my feed, like none of my photos mean anything they have no value you know you might like go through it just a couple seconds and be like oh like that looks pretty cool but when it comes down to it you know i'm not photographing things i mean i guess in bhutan um there was uh some um you know social projects going on with with my work um to bring uh economy like build economies and stuff in the village but like dude scroll through my feed like none of what i'm shooting really holds much significance you know mm. and i don't know i i want to um work more with conservation and um i guess try and use photography just for um some more good but yeah well it's hard i mean unfortunately in the world that we currently live in like that's not what people value in terms of where they put their money. Like people, like we live in a very commercialized society where people will shell out lots and lots of money for stuff. 
but not necessarily lots and lots of money for an idea. Unfortunately, if you want to get paid as a photographer, sometimes those two things don't always line up, right? And so that's, I really love, I love to hear that that's what you want to do and that's what, that's where you want to take your photography. And I think, I've, I've talked to a lot of people recently that feel the same way. Like I think Candace Dyer and Hillary Younger um, are kind of in that same camp. Like they want their photos to have more of a meaning in terms of like, making a difference in the world, you know, like not just, oh, hey, here's a pretty place or, hey, here's a cool scene of whatever. Like they want mm-hmm. it to actually do more. But like how, how, like how, how do you do that? Like as a landscape photographer, like how do you do that? <laughs> I wish I knew. No, I'm I'm just kidding. I, I, I think that it kind of starts with, me doing a better job at um, just using my voice on Instagram. And I don't have like a lot of followers, but I think that I can do better at um, using the platform that I do have and um, try to, you know, talk about issues or um, ways that people can um, help out with different things. Um, so I, lo- I, I love that, that you said that you don't have a lot of followers. <laughs> I mean, compared to like a lot of other people out there, you know what I mean? It's all relative, right? I mean, there's people with a million followers and people with 10,000 and you have 155,000. But you, you you checked recently. <laughs> well, you told me to look at your feed, so I did. <laughs> oh, you just now you actually went through my feed and checked? Yeah, yeah. I was <laughs> like, well. I need to go through it about the lack of significance. That's funny, man. Well, because <laughs> I was going to try to prove you wrong. Like, I think you have some some great... I mean, obviously, I think you have great photography. And I mean, one of the things I will say about, I mean, just your Instagram feed, if you look at it, it's, you're not pushing products. You're not like out there trying, like you're not, it's not fake. I occasionally do. I occasionally do. Um, Yeah, but that's understandable. But I guess what I'm trying to say is like, when I look at your feed, I see a lot of beautiful landscapes, um, and like an occasional picture of a person or of wildlife or whatever. Um, but like, you're not, I don't know, like, I guess that goes to that authentic thing. Like your feed feels authentic to me, whereas a lot of people's feeds feel very inauthentic to me personally. Like you're not like, it's not, I guess your photos don't feel forced to me. Like they don't feel like you're, oh, well, I have to make money at photography and I have to sell products. So how can I, How? what's the best way for me to do that? Like, I don't think that's the first thing you're asking yourself when you're taking a photo. I think if, I don't need to speak for you, but when I look at your photos, what I see is, oh, here's an amazing thing that I'm moved by. Like, how can I creatively show the world this thing or this place or this scene and put my own stamp of creativity on it? Like, to me, like that's a much better place to start, you know? And that's mm-hmm. what I see when I look at your photos. Well, I appreciate hearing that. Um, that means a lot. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could probably uh, budget, bludgeon that particular topic to death, but you're actually the first person I've had on the podcast that kind of lives in that world, and I really wanted to pick your brain about it, and I'm glad to hear that it's something that, that's on your mind as well. Yeah, for sure. That's cool. Well, cool, man. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about um, about uh, who inspires you. So um, who do you think 
first, who do you think would be cool to hear on the podcast? Well, yeah, I, I recently, excuse me, I recently discovered the work of, uh, I think his name is Ray Collins, and he's an Australian seascape photographer who focuses like on the character and structure of waves and, you know, other water elements. And um, he does a lot of work while swimming in the water and using housing. Oh. And I just think that he photographs like the waves and the water just in such a dynamic and visually satisfying way. Um, love his work. I'd love to hear you guys chat and uh, have him on the podcast. Yeah, how did you how did you find his stuff? Uh, my buddy Jarrett um, just showed me him because uh, Jarrett's a surf photographer, and um, I'm working on Jarrett on a project right now and. Um, you know, he just pulled him up on the computer and was like, dude, like his photos are so inspiring. And I'm like, holy shit, you're right. Like, these are amazing. And so, um, I just really appreciate how he photographs the water, you know, yeah. just something as basic as the water, but does so in just such a creative way. Isn't that uh, so interesting his work is how great. some people can like specialize in a singular subject and like shoot it in such, uh, different and dynamic and like uh super creative ways like i'm looking at his feed right now it's like holy cow (laughs) that's some good stuff (laughs) it's very cool yeah it's it's pretty amazing i just think that there's so many amazing textures and patterns uh with water droplets and um you know bubbles and stuff that happen in the ocean that he does a very good job of capturing so Dude, have him on. I I would really love to hear a lot of his thoughts and um, some stories. Well, from who him. doesn't love a, a good um, Australian accent? Oh, dude, Australian accents are actually the best <laughs> in the entire world. <laughs> that was my poor attempt. Champion, <laughs> dude. Uh, so <laughs> sorry. Oh, it's something that I, a lot of Australians say. Like, like you know, like we say things like awesome or sweet. They say champion. Oh yeah, champion. That's awesome. funny. I love that, dude. <laughs> um, so we're we're up in Banff, and we take a gondola up. It's just this is the the Dell campaign, and I'm with Colby Brown. Yeah, and um, you know we're on this beautiful view. There's mountains everywhere, and um, I'm looking at a mountain. I'm like, oh, that's that's cool. And um, Colby's like, like, oh, like Crocodile Dundee. That's not a mountain. This is a mountain, and like points at like the main mountain. And I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> Crocodile Dundee. Like, it's not a mountain. This is a mountain. <laughs> and then, and then this Australian dude walking past is like, not even close. And I'm just like, oh shoot, like, I'm trying to offend him and stuff. He just completely lays into me about how how pathetic my Australian accent was. Oh, <laughs> uh, you should hear my Australian accent. It it, it vacillates between an uh, an Italian accent. And like a Spanish accent um, or an English one, like it just kind of goes in between, in and out, all over the place. So yeah, it's it's pretty sad. Yeah, I I think you need to do it right now. I, I don't for everybody listening. <laughs> do it. Oh do it. man, I don't think I can do it. You have to. <laughs> all right. Um, Come on, man, you got this. <laughs> champion. Oh, it's that's that's champion, mate. Uh, I can't believe we saw that together. I don't know. That's about as good as I got, buddy. Nice, nice. <laughs> that was more Australian than Italian or Spanish. Yeah, sounding like you—you you built it up to be. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's because you had you made me think about it. Like if it was like 
Yeah, if I was just doing it off the cuff, then it would be really, really, really bad. <laughs> so when you were first starting out as a photographer, like who, who were your biggest inspirations? Dude, um, Ben Canales, I said it before. Yes. I saw Ben's photos of like people or oftentimes like himself standing under the stars. I saw those and I was just like, I want to copy those. Like, I want to make those photos. Like those are so cool. And so I went out and like, you know, took photos of myself standing under the stars. Total, total, uh, <laughs> total stab at Ben there. Um, he, you know, he, he really inspired me and still does. Uh, super cool guy. Um, but yeah, um, I, I was really inspired by his, uh, night sky photography work, but then also his time-lapse work. Um, so he was one of the first people I saw, um, to be doing time-lapse. And so, um, you know, he got me inspired to go outside, um, around Oregon. Yeah. Did you get and... a chance to see his presentation at OMSI when he did that? No, no, I didn't. I wish I did. Yeah, I think it was like in 2015 because I was living there and I didn't get a chance to go either. But um, yeah, I, I, I had the same experience. Like some of my first like forays into landscape photography was actually astro landscape. And I think Ben Canales was one of my, my first inspirations for that particular type of photography as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He did a good job. And then, um, you know, I started shooting a little bit and then I came across Shane Bloom's work and sure. you know, he kills it. He kills it. So, um, was definitely pretty, pretty pumped on his work as well. Awesome. Well, sweet dude. Well, man, this has been fun. Um, any, yeah, anything cool that you got coming up that you want to tell anyone about? Um, I don't really have anything locked in, um, at the moment, but Mm, trying to make my way out to Kashmir and I think Southern Pakistan and shoot some villages. Oh, sweet. Um, sometime this year. Yes. You know, yeah. Are you, just been, are you finding yourself more and more inspired to do like, um, taking pictures of people in different cultures now that you've had that experience? I think so. And specifically focusing on, uh, people in these remote villages. I think that's what, really resonates with me and um i'm kind of becoming more and more passionate about that's cool and like i feel like to your earlier point there's probably some avenues that you can take in order to leverage that type of work for good mm -hmm. absolutely definitely a lot more room for um meaning and stories and um um, helping others and stuff, you know. That's cool, so, man. Well, I wish you the best. Of, I wish that. you the best of luck in in that journey. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. Well, thanks again. This has been cool. Yeah, so fun. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Oh, well, thanks to Andrew for coming on the podcast. It's been a long time coming, and uh, I had a great time talking to you, man. So, I mean, I really love his photography and his creative approach. Um, to his work so if you enjoyed our talk there's a lot more over on patreon so next week we sit down with arizona-based photographer sean parker sean is known for his epic night and storm photography and time-lapse work our conversation was incredible i just had such a great time and i can't wait to share it with you i'm looking forward to that um well, as you know from listening to the podcast, I am in the process of building a new website on Jack Brower's platform, Wide Range Galleries. 
So far, I have really enjoyed the one-on-one -on -one attention that Jack gives through the process, and the back end of the system is really slick. I don't know if any of you guys are also using Zenfolio, but they just announced like a huge increase to their fees, and I think they're taking 10% per sale now. It's insane. So if you're looking for a better way to do this, um, I know that the cost looks steep up front, but it's going to save you money in the long run if you sell more than like $1,000, $2,000 of prints. So uh, definitely recommend checking Jack's stuff out. Go to widerangegalleries.com. Well, as usual, uh, if you want to leave comments about the episode, head on over to the liner notes on my blog at www.mattpainphotography.com. And you can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, uh, all that fun social stuff as Matt Payne Photo or Matt Payne Photography. Or you can also join our Facebook group called F-Stop Collaborate and Listen. And uh, I really recommend that because I do ask for you to give feedback on the episodes and also give us um, questions for upcoming guests and uh, sneak peek to lots of different things that are going on. So it's a great way to be engaged with podcasts and other podcast listeners. Well, thanks for listening and we will see you next week.